Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. This past Sunday, we celebrated the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. This feast is both an end and a beginning. It is uh, technically now the conclusion of the Christmas season. But at the same time, it's also the beginning of the public ministry of our Lord. In fact, those 30 years that our Lord spent in Nazareth, Mary and Joseph, are really covered and celebrated by only three weeks of our calendar. We know little about that time. We know about the circumcision, the visit to the temple when our Lord was 12 years old. But there are no details for the rest of the time. Oh, we can surmise what went on, knowing what the culture of the time was, the habits of families at that time. But it is for this reason that these 30 years are often called the hidden years. But they undoubtedly were years of extraordinary preparation. And with the conclusion of them and the baptism of the Lord, he enters now officially his public ministry. And in his public ministry, we encounter a kind of playing out of what was proclaimed to Joseph by an angel and by a group of angels to the shepherds, that God is Emmanuel, that is, God is with us, and God is Savior, a rescuer from darkness and from sin and from death. And those three years of our Lord's public ministry will be an intense revelation of those names, those titles, and their meaning for human uh, history. And really this is the meaning of ordinary time that begins with the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. Ordinary time meaning not ohum, but a time in which we make the great mysteries of our faith, of the incarnation of God in Jesus Christ, of his suffering and death and resurrection, glorious ascension, we make these mysteries an ordinary part of our lives. Now this year, we are going to be concentrating in our Sunday readings on the Gospel of Mark. And I want to speak a little about that Gospel of Mark because it is important for us to understand his point of view, his direction, and what he reports in that gospel. It is the shortest of all the gospels, and for that reason, in the coming liturgical year, from time to time, he will be supplemented by passages from the Gospel of John. But that Gospel of Mark, although short, is very interesting. An ancient tradition tells us that he composed his gospel as he heard St. Peter preach it. And the gospel has a feeling 
of something that is proclaimed in the very writing. It, it's it's a, a homily. It's it's a sermon being preached here. It has a very abrupt beginning and an ending that has baffled scholars. For it seems that all of a sudden the gospel appears to stop, not end or conclude, simply to stop. As one scholar said, it appears as if in the original manuscripts of the gospel, the last couple pages may have been lost. There were other endings that that may have been added to it, but it, it remains a great mystery. But the gospel simply begins by an announcement. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's a proclamation, and the gospel begins very suddenly with the ministry of John the Baptist. Now, these interesting aspects point to a kind of internal drive of the gospel that I hope you catch as you listen to it Sunday by Sunday. There is a profound sense of the immediacy of the proclamation. That is, that that opening verse, that opening title, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, I think is to indicate to us whenever we hear this gospel preach, we're hearing not simply words lifted from a page, but we're hearing the very voice of Jesus Christ himself, and it is immediate to us. And part of this immediacy is the urgent call of the gospel for a response. There is, in the reporting of many of the instances of our Lord's uh, ministry, a certain breathlessness. That is what I think caused many of the early commentators to remark on Mark's rather clumsy Greek. St. Augustine once remarked before his full conversion to Christianity that indeed, if that gospel is the word of God, why did God write such poor Greek? And uh, it's part of that, that urgency, that immediacy of the gospel. And the announcement is that the kingdom of God is pressing in on us immediately. And whenever we hear the gospel proclaimed, we should feel that pressure of the kingdom of God pressing and moving into our lives. And in that gospel, there is a profound relationship of word and deed. Mark loves recounting the miracles. And he adds to each of the accounts of the the miracles the word Immediately. When Jesus says, Arise and walk, immediately the person arises and walks. And in fact, one scholar once counted the number of times that that adverb immediately occurs in the Gospel of Mark and discovered to his surprise that it is so frequently used that in fact, Mark uses the word 90% of the time and then the other 10% appear in the other four Gospels. And we have to understand that the word miracle we have comes from a Latin word miraculum. That is something that is seen, that amazes. The word that is used in the Greek is dunamis, 
an act of power. And when Jesus performs a miracle or preaches a parable, the word he speaks is creative and powerful. And it does what it says. And therefore, as we, throughout this coming liturgical year, listen to the gospel according to Mark, be aware of the great power of the proclamation, the power of the words, and the profound relationship between word and deed, between parable and miracle. One scholar once said, his miracles are parables in action, and his parables are miracles in words. But there is one last interesting aspect of Mark's gospel that has also caught the attention of many scholars, and that is how frequently the Lord tells his disciples, especially at the Transfiguration, tell no one until the Son of Man rises from the dead. Tell no one until the resurrection. This some scholars call the messianic secret. Why throughout the public ministry did Jesus keep the reality of his divinity secret, even from his disciples? And I think it is something that we should remember about any gospel we hear or read. The first part of all four Gospels that was written was the account of the suffering and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the overriding framework of the Gospel. It was in the suffering, death, and resurrection that we find the greatest manifestation of the glory of God. In all of our Lord's parables, all of his miracles he performed in the, the public uh, ministry pointed to and could be understood only in relationship to that paschal mystery, to the rising, the dying and rising of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think this is why it is so important for us to relate not only the Gospel of Mark, but to all Gospel readings, to the situation in which we hear them. We hear them in the midst of our celebration of the Eucharist. The Eucharist, which is a representation, a coming before us of that offering on the cross, of that power of the resurrection, of the reality of how we are joined to it through our reception of Holy Communion. For it is within the Eucharist that we find the crucial place to hear the gospel. For as Isaiah prophesied and Jesus confirmed, in your hearing today, you have heard the fulfillment of all prophecy. There in the presence of Jesus Christ, we find the gospel come alive in a way that we deeply participated in it through the death and rising, which is our death and rising. 
which is our fulfillment of every word that we hear in the gospel.